Well, as some of you have probably realized, I'm not Pastor Tim, as it says in your bulletin, and if you haven't heard, uh, Pastor Tim, I think he was taking the title of this week's message a little too seriously, where it says, How to Suffer for Doing What is Right, and uh, you know, he's one to lead by example, so yesterday he was doing what was right and helping someone, and pulled the, tore the bicep muscle in his arm, and uh, so... He has been told to keep it immobile for a few days, and you know, the swelling goes down, and it's very, very painful, and so he's not here with us this morning, hence that's why I'm here. So, but that leading by example thing, he needs to not take so serious. You know, so now he's suffering for doing what is right <laughs> yesterday. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Keep him, keep him in your prayers. He does have to keep it immobile. I don't know. He doesn't know how, whether to heal on its own, whether he'll have to have surgery or whatever, but I understand it is quite painful, and uh, he's in a lot of pain uh, right now. Plus, it was his preaching arm, so he's, uh, <laughs> he's immobile there, too. He's going to listen to this, and I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, I do want to share just some thoughts with you about the cross, as we just sang in, uh, in the song this morning. Uh, I want to ask you some questions. What is your view of the cross? And do you often think of the cross of Christ? And is it a symbol of love for you? Is it a symbol of forgiveness? Is it a symbol of eternal security or or something like that? And if it is, that's good because those are all important. But I want us to look this morning at the cross as a motivation for our life of obedience and a life of service to God. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to turn to a number of different passages of Scripture uh, this morning, but we're going to start right here. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, here Paul shares with us the motivation of his whole ministry, if you ask me. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look with me and starting in verse 1, Paul writes, And I, when I came to you, talking to the church in Corinth, When I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The key message that Paul preached, the key message that Paul used, was the message of the cross. Look what he says here in verse 2, and I want you to concentrate on that this morning. He said, For I decided to know nothing among you but this, except that Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Think about that. Paul understood that all of faith is surrounded at the cross. All the faith is laid there at the cross, is the cross itself. It is central to everything that a believer should understand and do. Next month, we kick off, next Sunday is the first Sunday in the local evangelism month. And uh, this year, the theme is community. And we will talk about the, the church community, not just the community outside the church, but the church community and, and how... Uh, we can minister to one another, and in ministering to one another, minister to those outside the church, and, and so on. It's a, 
the whole theme and a whole bunch of different messages like that. I'm not trying to diminish it. It'll be good, I mean, you know, especially with uh, Brad Buser kicking off next Sunday in, uh, in our AM service. But one of the things that has always concerned me with evangelism, and myself included, not just with individuals, but with churches or with ministries or with programs, is this fact that we tend to get away from the central purpose of our message, and that's the cross. Oftentimes, we enter into programs, or we, we ourselves think that, well, I just didn't have a good opportunity to share the gospel or to share the cross, or we, or we start programs and we, we feel we need to meet certain needs before we win the right to share the gospel. There are some cases for that, I truly believe. But I think most of the time it's an excuse for us not to share the cross. I think many times it's just something that we're uncomfortable with. I need to move this up or down, Jeremy, or off. Down? Did I get way down here? Is that good? Up more? Hold on a second. We'll figure this out. Is that better? If I yell loud, you can hear me anyways. But, but that's always been a concern of mine in, in ministry, is that oftentimes we start off really well, and uh, we want to do good things, and, and we do do good things. We help people maybe with their finances, or we just, we're, we're a listening ear if it's an individual basis. We steer away from the central focus of, a mess, of our message, which should be Jesus Christ and him crucified, the cross. And you know what happens? Then, then, then the, the message of the cross tends to be secondary. And it tends to be something that, well, well, I need to get to know them better before I actually share that with them. And I struggle with that because I do the same thing. Quite oftentimes in my life, especially with, like, with our neighbors or whatever, I feel I need to be neighborly first, and I need to be neighborly, don't get me wrong. But, you know, maybe get to know them better, you know, send them some muffins or something, and, you know, do stuff like that, help them mow their lawn or talk to them when they're out there. And then after I've known them for a year or two or six months or five years or however long you live there, maybe I'll have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Because it's, it's, it can be tough. It can be hard. And with programs, and, and we're very, very fortunate here to keep our message focused on the cross, but it's easy to get away from that. It's easy to meet the physical needs of someone and then, and then deal with the spiritual needs. Oftentimes, and I've mentioned this before here, and I'll mention it again, oftentimes we come to church, or we'll have a visitor come to church here, and we know that they don't know the Lord, and everybody's hesitant to talk to them about the Lord. Listen to me. What do you think they will expect? They'll expect you to talk about God or the Lord, correct? If you visit somebody's home and maybe was a visitor here and you say, hi, I'm so-and-so from First Baptist Church and you talk with them and you don't mention anything about God, you probably disappoint them. I read a story long ago. I think the guy's name was Wilbur Chapman or something like that. When he was going to college, he was a, he was a Bible student he had a roommate who wasn't a Bible student. He was going to another school. And he purposely picked this guy as a roommate, this Wilbur Chapman. For the whole four years he was in school, they roomed together. And, then, and as they were both about to graduate, uh, his roommate said, you know, I thought you, went to, I thought you were one of those Christians and went to a Christian school. Didn't you learn anything there? And he said, yeah, I did. He says, you know, I purposely picked you as a roommate because I, I, I thought you would share with me the things of God. And that Wilbur Chapman says, as much as I tried from that point on, he never listened to me. 
because he just assumed it would rub off, I guess. Or he just assumed something, I'm not sure. And sometimes I feel that way, and sometimes our programs can get that way. I say all that because we need to be very careful that the cross stays as the central focus of our ministries, of our programs, and of our individual contacts, whether they're family or friends. Do you ever speak about the cross to your friends who you know are lost? Or your family who you know are lost? I want you to think about that because oftentimes it's easy just to depart from that. You know, if you're part of a ministry, whether it's here at the church, which you shouldn't be here at the church, but if you're part of a ministry where the cross is excluded, maybe outside the church, then the heart of that ministry is wrong. If the heart of that ministry is to meet the individual needs of an individual, or the physical needs of an individual, then that heart of that ministry is nice and is very good, but it's wrong. If, if you're part of a ministry where they don't even speak about the shed blood of Christ, as we just sang about, then something is wrong. And you need to think that way. If you're part of a ministry where the cross is seldom even mentioned, then something is desperately wrong with that ministry. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, when, when I came to the Corinthians, I went not in the, not in the wisdom of man and not in the superiority of, of speech. He says, I came to you with one message, and one message only, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Get that message across, folks, and then from that time on, everything else can flow from there. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't be ashamed by it. Will some be offended by it? Go like this, because some will. That shouldn't stop us from sharing that message. Well, I want to look this morning at the motivation of the cross in the life of the believer, and I want to look at three main questions, three main questions that I hope will help motivate us to attempt great things for God's kingdom. The first question is this. What is it about the cross that should motivate the people of God? What is it about the cross that should motivate us as the people of God? Well, first of all, the cross of Jesus Christ is the means in which you and I have received salvation. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that when Jesus went to that cross, and think about this, he took upon him the sins of all mankind. Amen? You guys need to really be excited about that part. Okay? The Bible says over 2,000 years ago, he who knew no sin became sin for us. So in the crucifixion, our sins were paid in full so that so when God looks down on us, when he looks down at us, and he sees us, he sees us as redeemed, he sees us as justified, he sees us as not guilty in his eyes because of what Christ did for us at the cross. So why should this motivate you and me? Because part of, apart, from the, apart from the cross of Jesus, there is absolutely, absolutely no hope at all in salvation. None. None at all. There is not one verse, there is not one chapter, there is not one part, there is not one sentence, if you will, in this book that will tell you there is any other way apart from the cross as a means to be saved. You and I, we've placed our whole eternal future at the cross, have we not? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, so that should be important to us. You know what we have to remember? We have to remember this. 
And sometimes we don't think of it this way. If our sin is not forgiven, if he hadn't died on the cross, shed his blood on the cross for our sins, if our sin is not forgiven, then you and I will stand before the Lord Jesus and we will give an account for every single violation of God's word. Did you ever think of that? That's what would happen. We will stand before him and we will give an account for every single sin. Think about that. And the only way to avoid that is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and to accept the fact that over 2,000 years ago, with a, he, at the cross, he laid all our sin upon him. Deny that, folks, is, is, is to face a holy God with, with your sin there and all your evil there and all your wickedness there, which means you'll be condemned for eternity. I don't know about you, but if you seriously think about that, that should motivate us. It should motivate me. That my whole eternity is wrapped up at the cross. Everything I believe is wrapped up at the cross. Let, let me tell you something. The unbelieving world, they just sneer at the cross, don't they? They don't think much of it. They don't even talk about it much. Maybe they have a necklace with a cross on it. They don't really understand what it is. They mock the cross. They, they laugh at the cross if you bring it up sometimes. But that same cross is their only hope of salvation. What took place there on the cross is their only hope of salvation. You know, and things haven't changed much. If you remember back in the Word of God, they sneered at Jesus when he hung on the cross, didn't they? That's what they did. They mocked him. They laughed at him. And they said, you know, if you are the Son of God, come down off that cross. Here's something else to think about. You know why he didn't come down? He didn't come down because he loved you and me too much to come down. Had he come down, there had been no forgiveness. Had he come down, there had been no salvation. So when we talk about the cross, when we sing about the cross, sometimes I think we forget. We forget that every single hope we have today is wrapped up on the cross of Jesus Christ. It should be important to us. It should be central in our message when we share the gospel with others. And there's another, another reason it should motivate us, is that the cross of Christ means that we have the power, that the power of Satan has been broken in the life of the believer. Turn with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says this, in verse 8, it says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Think about that, way. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, what did he do? He destroyed, it says here, the power of Satan in the life of the believer. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared this in, in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. So one of the other reasons that the cross should motivate us is because he has destroyed, the cross destroys the power of sin in our bodies, the power of the devil in our lives. Listen, evil and, and, and sin is best seen when you look at the cross. If you want to see how bad it is, look at the cross. We recognize that it took the death of God's own Son 
to atone for it. That shows just how wicked and evil and vile and disgusting and destructive sin is. So the second thing that should motivate us is that the cross is the, is the power of Satan. The, the cross breaks the power of Satan in our lives. Here's the third thing. The cross of Christ is where you and I, our believer, as believers, died with him. A very familiar passage of scripture if you turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. If you look at verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Here the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. We have died with him as believers. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, the cross ought to motivate us because when, when Christ died 2,000 years ago, you and I, who are believers, died with him at the cross. That means that, that what we were before we were saved, he says, was, was nailed to the cross with him. And we are new what? Creatures. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. And, and we are to walk daily in the power of the Holy Spirit, which dwells in us now. That's what he's talking about. That's how important the cross is. You see, he knew that we would we'd never make it in this wicked and vile world all on our own as believers. He knew that. He understood that. And so we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us. I can tell you, I'll give you a confession right now, I don't realize that enough in my life, that I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me so that we can walk triumphantly and, and mightily and victoriously in this life with contentment. That ought to motivate us to speak about the cross. That ought to motivate us to share Christ and Him crucified. And not only did Jesus die for my sins, and not only did He equip me to meet Him in heaven, but He says He came to live His life through us, through the Holy Spirit, day by day, moment by moment, to meet every single challenge in this life. Do you truly believe that? Or is that just hard to grasp as we walk through our, our daily life as a, as a Christian? We go to work and do the same thing every day, or, or we go to school and do the same thing every day. Is it hard to grasp the fact that, that you have victory in Christ because of the cross? You have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you because of the cross. He's sufficient to meet every single challenge in this life because of the cross. So we don't ever have to meet it alone. That's good to know. That should motivate us, don't you think? Also, the cross of Christ is where we realize that the Word of God has set us free. This kind of brings the first three thoughts together. Jesus said in John chapter 8, He says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen, listen. If we know the truth about our salvation, if we know the truth about the crucifixion, if we know the truth about, about the, the, the Satan's defeat, if we know the truth about the Holy Spirit living within us, if we know all these things, we will be free. We're the ones that choose not to live free in our Christian walk. Have you ever asked yourself, free for what? Have you ever heard that verse before? You know the truth and truth will set you free. Free for what? 
free just to lay around? Free just to go to church on Sunday? You know, free to be what God wants us to be. What God requires us to be. Maybe not necessarily what we want to be, but we're free to be what God wants wants us to be. So so, so you see, the, the hope of, of being what God wants us to be is wrapped up in the cross. Without the cross, we don't have that freedom. Without the cross, we can't tell other people about that. At the cross, at the cross, we'll understand what it means to belong. And you know what I mean by that? We'll understand what it means to belong to, to the family of God, to be one of His children. And everybody here needs to feel they belong. Amen? That's so true. At the, at the cross, we'll have, a, we'll have a sense of worth there because Christ died for our sins. He died for us. Even though we were unworthy. You know, I can look at the cross and recognize how much I am, I am worth in the eyes of God, not because of anything I have ever done, but because He sent His only begotten Son. And died on that cross for me. Two basic needs all of us have. The need to belong. And the sense of worth. We all have to have them. Maybe in different degrees. We all have to have them. And God provided all that at the cross. Folks, that, that ought to motivate us. Wouldn't you agree? It should motivate us to do something. To live for Christ. To make the cross our central message. And the second question I want to share is what is, the, what is it that the cross should motivate us to do? It should motivate us because of we have power over, or we no longer have, the devil no longer has power over us, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. That's, that's what should motivate us, but what should motivate us to do what? It should motivate us to do what? Here again, just do what we're doing this morning. Do what we did yesterday. Maybe the day before that. Well, I'm glad you asked. I have some thoughts on that. First of all, I believe it should motivate us to to, to serve the Lord joyfully. And if you'll go over to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, we'll we'll take a look at a verse here. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes, For we are His workmanship, in other words, Christ's workmanship, We we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to lay around and do whatever we feel like. That might be what we want our Bibles to say, but it doesn't say that. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me ask you, have you ever asked yourself this question? Why do you think Jesus saved you? Because you're so good looking? Because you're an upstanding individual in the community? Just because you're you? Because you don't deserve less? Why, did, why, why do you think Jesus saved you? So you'd feel better about yourself? So you'd be a better person? You know, I'd be a much better person if I was a Christian. I'd be a much better person if I looked look much better in the community if I was a Christian. So you say, that's why Jesus saved me. Listen, Christ saved you and created you for the purpose, as it says here in this verse, for good works, to glorify God. 
not complicated. That's why he saved you. He says, let your light so shine before men that they might see our good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. What he did at the cross should motivate us to good works that glorify him. Let me ask you, what are you doing on a daily basis in the name of Jesus Christ? You ever thought about that? What are you doing on a daily basis in the name of Jesus Christ? You know, you can sit and you can absorb gospel truths. You can listen to all the radio programs, Christian radio programs, all day long. You can do that. You can hear truth after truth after truth. But folks, if you're not putting it into practice, if you're not giving it to someone else, you're not sharing your faith with others, you're not serving God. It's just that simple. There is absolutely no way in this world to be obedient to God and do nothing in the name of Jesus. It's just impossible. He says, for we are created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. Now, we can't do everything, don't get me wrong, but we can all do something. Amen? And that's good to know. I don't, I don't believe you can serve properly, absorbing truth after truth, principle after principle, week after week, month after month, year after year, and never give it out to somebody who desperately needs God. And that's, I think that's one of, the, one of the highlights of local evangelism month, but it should be our highlight throughout our entire year. There are plenty of people out there who need the gospel. They need Christ. Don't wait for them to realize that. Share it with them anyways. Share that cross, our central message. There are scores of people out there who are hurting. They just, and they just don't need food, and they just don't need clothing, and they just don't need jobs, etc. They're, they're hurting, and they're aching, and, and do you know what they need? They need hope. They need a different type of lifestyle as they see you live that out. They need what only comes from the cross. And that is Christ and Him crucified. Listen, listen. They need somebody to tell them. And I know every one of us sitting out, and, and, and me, I'm standing here. And you know what? I, it's easy for me to say, you guys need to do that. I need to do it as well. We need to do that. You know, and I'm sure some of you have done this. This is not a new exercise. But have you ever maybe thought back in one day in your life, maybe one week in your life, at all the opportunities you let slip by to share the cross of the gospel? Now, forget all the excuses, okay? I'm just talking about the opportunities that you let slip by. And some excuses, if you like to think of it that way, are semi-legitimate. I was too busy, or, you know, we were on the motorcycle side by side, and it wasn't a good time to talk. There are some things like that, but very few. Most of the time, people who God sent into my life, I just let the opportunity slip by. And folks, I believe there is none of us without excuse but even in the pastorate, there is less excuse. Because everybody, everybody, and I'm, I'll even blame it on the elders here too, once everybody finds out that you're a pastor, an elder in a church, 
what do they expect you to talk about? Christ, God, something along that line. And they're so disappointed, oftentimes when we don't even mention it. Don't even mention the cross. Now that doesn't get everybody else off the hook either. The point is, we slip up on that. I want you to think about that. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to be doing it joyfully. The second, the second thing that should motivate us to do, that the cross should motivate us to do, is live humbly before God. You know, when I look at the cross, and I recognize that the hope of my salvation, and all that, 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 all I, that all that I am is, is, is wrapped up in that, one of the things that should motivate me to do is to live humbly before God. In fact, turn with me to a very familiar passage, Micah. Micah, in, in the Old Testament, Micah chapter uh, 6. Most of you can quote this verse. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible tells us, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. When I think of the cross, it should motivate me to walk humbly before God. Listen, if, if my salvation is wrapped up in what Jesus did at the cross, if my hope, if my victory is wrapped up in what Jesus did at the cross, if, if my hope of becoming the person God wants me to be is wrapped up in what Jesus did at the cross, I want to ask you, I have no reason, there is nothing in this world that you and I have to brag about. It's all done by Christ for us at the cross. There's absolutely no place for pride. There is no place for patting ourselves on the back and no place for ignoring God. It's just that simple, and it should, it should cause us to, to, to walk humbly before God. Sometimes, sometimes we forget that part. Sometimes when we do have an opportunity to share, we might be a little too pious in our approach. We might be a little too, oh, you're one of those. Have you ever had anybody say that? You're one of those Christians. You're like, you're like up here. Maybe they don't actually say that. But sometimes they think, I've had people tell me this, but sometimes they think that you might be a little better than they are because they're struggling with this or they're struggling with that and they're struggling with this. And we have to somehow share with them, we struggle with those same things, but we have Christ. And you can too. What a great way to get into the cross. A third reason it should motivate us is the, or what should motivate us to do is to give to God generously. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Paul writes, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves an honorary giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This, this always baffles me. If a man or a woman understands what happens at the cross, they truly understand what took place, and then they quibble about giving God, 
offerings or tithes or whatever you want to call it, and they quibble about that, they're missing the point. They're missing what, what God has done for them. The Bible tells us that God has given his very, very best. He gave his only begotten son, as the Bible tells us. And you mean to tell me you can't find or you can't afford to give to God? Those who have a problem with that, they've not looked at the cross in a proper way. Finally, I think the cross also motivates us to share our faith. This is why Paul says way back, as we already looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I don't have but one message. I don't have but one message, and that's the message of Jesus Christ and what? Him crucified. That's the message he has. That's the message of the cross. And you see, he, he had discovered that the cross was the answer to every single problem that there is. We just have to believe it. We have to live it. And once you begin to understand the meaning of, of the cross, you know it's the solution that people need, that we need. Let me ask you a question. You know, there are multitudes out there who are lost and are hurting, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, I've said it like four times, so maybe you don't agree with me, but if you agree with me, shake your head like this. All right? There are multitudes out there, and you know some of them, that are hurting emotionally, spiritually, physically. They may not walk around with a sad face and their jaw on the ground, but you know they're struggling in life. Everybody does. There are multitudes out there who are struggling in life. Once you begin to understand that, it helps us as we seek to share the truth with them. When you know they're out there, and you know the truth, how in the world can you and I ever justify keeping what we've heard and what we know to ourselves? Don't you at least feel, I mean, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to, don't you at least feel a little guilty about that? Don't you feel a little uncomfortable, maybe that's a better term, about that? How in the world can you and I ever justify keeping what we've heard to ourselves? Folks, listen, I don't believe we can do it and be right with God on a consistent basis. It's got to affect us somehow, some way. It's got to, it's, it's got to affect us inside, spiritually, somehow, some way. And finally, the last question I want to share with you is, and this was a tough one, because of the cross... Who was the last person you led to Christ? You know, I was golfing with a, I won't tell you who he is, but I was golfing uh, this earlier this summer with a pastor from another church, a good church, a dear, dear friends of ours. And we were at the same home, and, you know, we talk about pastoral stuff. And he asked how your church is doing. I said, what church is doing fine? And he says, uh, is it growing? And I said, well, you know, it comes and goes. And did that small talk. And I said, how about yours? He says, nah. He said, that's pretty much staying the same. He says, we haven't grown in our church from people, new believers, in quite a long time. And it made me think, what about our church? Our church is growing slowly. Is it growing because we have new believers? Or is it growing because people are coming from other churches? That's a great question, isn't it? 
Maybe not for you guys, but it's a great question for the leadership of the church. That I think is a great question for all of us. Who is the last person you led to Christ? If you can look at the cross and you can understand it and turn a deaf ear and walk off and forget it, then there's something wrong on the inside. If somebody says, Pastor, you're right, you know, you're right, I truly understand. When God moves me, then I'm going to start sharing the gospel. I'm going to start witnessing. Then I'll start, and that, you know what happens? Then you're never going to start sharing the gospel. You're never going to start witnessing. Or, or maybe they'll say, Pastor, you're right, when I get the burden for the loss, then I'll start sharing the gospel with the others. I'm not sure about you, but is that what the Great Commission says? When thou gettest the burden, go ye therefore? That's the New King, or that's the King James Version. Is that what it says? No. No. Who was the last person you led to Christ? Who was the last person you shared the gospel with? Satan has deceived us so much to have us think it's okay if we don't. It's okay. When you look at the cross of Jesus Christ and you recognize that they drove spikes into his hands and they nailed his precious feet to that cross and they, they rammed a crown of thorns on his brow and the blood, the blood ran down his face and they thrust the spear into his side. When you think about that cross, if it doesn't motivate you, then there must be something very, very wrong on the inside. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father, help us this morning to think about the cross. Help us, Father, to think of those that we know, friends, relatives, people we come in contact with for whatever reason, that maybe have never heard the gospel. Even though they may know, Father, we're Christians, they may know that we're involved in ministries, and we don't, still don't share the cross with them. Help us to be like Paul. What well, we do but one thing, preach Christ and Him crucified. May that be the central focus of our lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.